This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Welcome back. Enjoyed my week last week with Jody Vance. She does a great job, and, I, and thank you to thank you to Jody for yeah. for filling in last week. And I had a nice little break, but it's it's good to be back. And the big story that we covered this off the top of the show is this ongoing port strike. Oh, yeah. And you were just updating me off the air here. No talks today. They did have some talks on the weekend, though, right? Talked on Saturday. Didn't talk yesterday. No talks scheduled yet uh, for today. So okay. um, this thing grinds on. It's you know five hundred to seven hundred million dollars a day, depending on which estimate you want to look at. Um, Supply chain has still remains fairly robust, but at some point, I did uh, sort of as a as a bit of exploration on the weekend, ch- checked in with a number of big stores about their inventory. It appears that some of the big box stores uh, stocked up, anticipating oh. this strike. Smart. But at some point, you're going to start seeing uh, bare shelves. Whoa! Uh, if this thing drags on for much longer, there's a lot of goods tied up on the port. You and I have talked many times about. What's in those container ships? 90% of everything you use comes through a container ship. And again, stores stores uh, bulked up and, and uh, I think have bigger inventories than usual. But if this thing goes on for, you know, a couple more weeks, you're going to start seeing uh, bare shelves and rising prices. Yeah, and then the forest industry. I was talking to a guy in the forest industry on the weekend, and he was saying, you know, a lot of these forest companies, they can deal with a little backed up uh, inventory for a, a short period of time. But then it starts to be a big problem. Well, and, the, and the real big problem in forestry is, is the pulp company. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can store lumber. You can store uh, cut wood. Pulp, though, has this. you got to move it. you got to move it. And yeah. it's not moving yeah. uh, through the port. Some of it's moving by rail. But there will likely be many layoffs, temporary. But nevertheless, you know, one lost paychecks can be a crisis to people. Uh, a lot of layoffs in the pulp sector. There were a big rally on the weekend in support of these striking workers. So a mm-hmm. lot of other unions came out to support the port workers. And let's listen to a couple of the union leaders here of the striking port workers. This is Pat Bolin and Rob Ashton. Listen to the tone here at this rally. Let's listen. We've stood up and said enough is enough. This is where the line in the sand is drawn. We are not asking for wages that are unrealistic. We do not want the federal government to get involved in our business. We must force them to the table. We must tell them to come to the table. Holy smokes, man. <laughs> There's a lot of stereotyping going that on That was there. like a 70s flashback <laughs> to labor wars in BC. Like That guy was sounds real angry, very tough. Yeah, it was a, it was a pretty big rally, uh, impressive turnout. So one of the key issues is contracting out of maintenance. Yeah. So right now, um, unions uh, perform maintenance on what's called ship to shore. But when you get into things like roofing, uh, pavement, fixing rail lines, the employers are arguing, well, you don't have the skill set to do that type of maintenance, which is why we're contracting it out. So that's one of, that's one of the big issues is who's going to perform maintenance? Where's the jurisdiction of maintenance? It, it does, do you expand the union hiring hall? The employer says, well, you don't have the skills to do it. So they want to strike a... a an arbitration committee to look at this and 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 figure out where that uh, where these jobs lie. 
Uh, automation of the port, another big issue. Yeah. More automation means fewer jobs, generally. Um, but you look at ports like Rotterdam and Long Beach, huge ports, very highly automated, and the port wants to move in that direction. Then you have wages. On the one level, it looks like some of the, the wage increase is pretty significant, 11% in the first year, 6% in the second year, $8,000 uh, one-time payment for inflation allowance, which sounds you know, much more generous than any other union. Now, the union counters and says, well, wait a minute. It takes years to get to a level of full-time work. Most people are starting out in a hiring hall getting one shift a week, two shifts a week. It can take, you know, a dozen, 15 years to get up to full-time status. So it's, you know, the employer says the medium wage, and by median, as, as many people below as there are above this wage, is $136,000 a year. But there's a heck of a lot of people in that union earning well less than 80000 a year who are looking for a significant wage. Okay, lots of pressure on the Justin Trudeau government in Ottawa to intervene here. So let's have a listen to this. This is Alberta Premier Danielle Smith. Now, Justin Trudeau was in Calgary on the weekend for the Calgary Stampede. He had a, a meeting with Danielle Smith, and Smith is urging him to intervene and put an end to this strike. Let's listen. I've given him a letter to take away on my, our request that, we, that Parliament be recalled so that we can uh, put an end to the port strike in, uh, in, in BC, which is causing extreme hardship to our producers and our exporters okay. here. Okay, so she's not the only Premier who's calling for federal intervention here. Notably, David Eby, I haven't heard him call for the no, first intervene. No, 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 but Eby's had one comment on this strike since it was called, and just saying the best, the best solution is at the bargaining table, which is the usual position. Saskatchewan's also calling for federal intervention. Now, a couple of things. The Supreme Court of Canada ruled... I think in nineteen in twenty seventeen on a case involving the Saskatchewan government and their public sector unions um, that there is a collective right, a constitutional right to collective bargaining. So I think the, the feds are probably mindful that the courts may not look kindly on an early intervention if it's seen to abrogate the constitutional rights for a union to collective um, bargain. So that's one factor. I think also in terms of calling the House back, I think they're wary of the Conservatives, of what tactics might be used in in the House. Uh, it's one thing to pass a back-to-work bill or, or a cooling-off period. But does the opposition play some tricks to keep the House going, maybe revive that uh, inquiry issue, public inquiry into into foreign interference? Yeah, Trudeau uh, doesn't want to recall Parliament. No, I don't think he wants to bring the House yeah. back. So I think there's still hoping enough pressures at the table uh, to uh, to get a settlement. The, the last paycheck, I think, went out last week to the workers. Remember, just because you go on strike doesn't mean your pay stops immediately. There's a bit of a lag period there. So that will start bringing some pressure on the em- employees as well. Okay, I always think I was watching Trudeau at the Calgary Stampede. So, of course, he shows up with his, his jeans and his cowboy boots and, and his mm-hmm. cowboy hat. Cowboy hat. And I always think the, the politicians look a, a little goofy here playing, playing cowboy. <laughs> uh, Pierre Polyev was the same. He showed up with his, his cowboy hat. And then Trudeau uh, flipped a pancake. So he did the, pa- the pancake breakfast. He flips the pancake and he mangles this pancake. This pancake was flying all over the place. And everyone, oh, look, he can't even flip a pancake correctly. Polyev was <laughs> Polyev was criticized because someone noticed there was makeup on his collar. Yeah, what because because he wears makeup. Yeah, well, you know, if you're on camera a lot as I am. You do wear makeup. So you wear makeup I, when I'm on television. Yeah. 
Uh, that's the secret. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Trudeau wears makeup from time to time. Yeah, right. If you're in, in, under the hot lights of TV cameras, uh, it's in your interest to put a little powder. Oh, yeah. But it's interesting. Like, anytime they try these kind of stunts, and if something goes wrong, then there's this backlash, right? Let's, so let's talk about Ken Sim for a minute, because his thing on the weekend where he, sh- the Vancouver mayor, he goes to the Kitsilano street party and he shotguns a beer yeah. on stage. Okay. So this sort of went viral on the weekend and some people say, well, good for him. He's having fun. He wants to make it a fun city. And others saying, no, you got, you know, shouldn't you be trying to solve the housing crisis no. instead of shotgunning a beer? Well, look, I think all this humanizes politicians and I think it's ridiculous. I mean, you take the Ken Sim thing. Shouldn't you be out there solving the housing crisis? So he's yeah. not allowed to do anything in his entire life until the do, housing crisis is You can do both, solved. right? You can shotgun a beer and then solve the housing crisis. Well, I don't think anyone's solving the housing crisis. No. So it's, it's an illusion to think anybody is going to solve the housing crisis. When you have uh, half a million people moving to Canada a year, uh, 150,000 people moving into BC every year, and they're all moving into Metro Vancouver, the Okanagan, and the capital. The housing crisis is not going away, no matter what politicians want to do about it. Let's listen to Ken Sim here, because this was consistent with his this theme that he repeats frequently, how he wants Vancouver to shed its no-fun city label. He wants the city to be, like, fun and cool and stuff. So let's have a listen to the mayor here. Here's how he wants to make it. Sim City. Have a listen. If we create an amazing city uh, where there's a vibe and there's opportunity and there are places to live, people can afford to live and they can actually have an amazing career. It could be a great area where people, not only from Vancouver and the region, but from around the world, they come and they, you know, they enjoy Vancouver and yeah. it, it gives, a, gives a buzz and uh, a positive vibe to our city. Yeah, so he wants like a, a positive vibe. And, it's going to take more than cool. him. It's going to take more than him on a stage shotgun and a beer to get that reputation restored. <laughs> I mean, they didn't cancel the fireworks again. The um, uh, it's going to take a while for Vancouver to restore that. Uh, but the other thing that jumped out at me in there that clip was he says, "Yeah, we want people to come here. We want them to have fun. We want them to have a great career. We want them to be able to be able to afford afford to live here." Well. You know, I just finished talking to a single dad mm-hmm. who's making 74000 bucks a year, not a bad salary, and he says he can't afford to find an apartment to rent for him and his son that he can afford. No, no it's, a, it's a genuine crisis, and it, the focus has always been on buying a home, which is out of reach for the vast majority of people. The focus really should be on renting. Who can rent? Who can find a place to rent? Yeah. And that's that's the issue for so many people. It's quite apart from owning a house or a condo, who can find one to rent? And it's not just uh, Vancouver or Metro Vancouver. Same issue over here in the capital. Yep. It's very hard to yep. find rental property here. In fact, I do a double take every time I see a vacancy sign, which is very, very seldom yep. you see a vacancy. <laughs> as soon as something's vacant, it's snapped up immediately. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. 
That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. All right, it's Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. John in Vancouver. Hi, John, go ahead. Uh, good morning. Yeah, I just wanted to make a comment that I think the government should be recalled for the uh, port strike. I think the uh, trickle-down effect of having containers sitting idle affects small business. I think it will have an impact on uh, inflation, and uh, I think it's something that the government should do. I see this port strike as an essential service, uh, feeding the economy, which affects everybody. But I think about the small businesses, that'll probably uh, maybe close their doors because they're not getting enough goods to uh, sell. And I think it impacts mm-hmm. everybody because of an uptick in inflation. Thank you. Yeah, good call. So a lot of small businesses reply uh, uh, depend sorry, on stuff moving through containers. And, and we're talking about things like you need, little, you need replacement parts. You need parts to manufacture things. One of the big industries that's going to get hit and is getting hit right now is the auto industry. Yeah. And it's not because of just cars. It's all the parts you right. need to not only build cars but to repair cars. Yep. So that's one that's being um, felt. And that's, again, when you talk about provincial pressure, so the I wouldn't be surprised to see the uh, Ontario government be the next to step in and say, got to end this. The auto industry is huge in Ontario. Yep. Um, again, the pulp sector in BC is probably going to have a bunch of layoffs. Look for the auto industry to start laying people off in Ontario. Those things collectively start to build the pressure on the government. I don't think the pressure is enough on Ottawa yet to recall Parliament, but if this goes on all week, I think, um, heading into next week, I think it's more than likely it will. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Malcolm in North Vancouver. Hi, Malcolm, go ahead. Montreal has a port strike, and within 24 hours, the hammer comes down. Here we're at two, two, we're on our way to two, two to three weeks. Is it because it's in Trudeau's mainstay writings that uh, they brought it down so quickly? And I believe in the free enterprise. I'm a free enterpriser by and large, but I believe in the collective bargaining side of the world. They should have be able to sit down and hash it out. I don't believe in letting it go. You know, it, it's March 31st, and we let it go until that point. I think all contracts should be sitting down six months to a year before it even expires, so they start working on it. There are going to be disagreements, but why did Montreal get saw, uh, brought down so quickly? And here we're lagging. And Mo- Montreal is a pittance in economy yeah. towards this country versus Vancouver. Interesting I'll point. Y'all li- yeah, again, people have certainly pointed that out. Is there a double yeah. standard here? Yeah. Is Quebec, the proverbial Quebec problem, uh, might be magnified here in terms of political advantage? advantageous. Uh, again, I think the issues may have been a little more uh, profound in this strike. This seems, you heard one of the union leaders saying, we're drawing a line in the sand. Well, maybe that's what this is about. The com- combined issues of automation, uh, maintenance, and wages, I think were probably much more acute than they were in the Montreal dispute. Let's go to Dennis in North Vancouver. Hi, Dennis. Go ahead. Yes, good morning. Um, I have to reiterate that both of the last callers, the um, the essential services part and the supply part, and that they should be negotiating way ahead of time. And I'm in the trades. I've been in the trades for a long time. I'm over 70. I'm still working. We don't make the kind of money longshoremen's make. And I heard them talk on the, you know, saying the media is doing this, and the media is doing that, and they come out and say they risk their lives every day. Well, people that build high-rises and build towers, it's no different than we don't make $48 an hour, I can tell you. And I've been in, oh. you know, 
lot of different things. Uh, and I think they are well supported financially. And I know some of them, if you're working um, the uh, delivery system for the uh, grain elevator, from the grain elevator to the boat, you, if after four-hour shift, you're done and you're getting paid for a whole day. If it starts to rain and you're sitting there and you, they close the hatch, you're still getting paid. So, okay. you know, I think they need to be reasonable. Thank you for the call. Yeah, $48.25 or something like that is the base hourly rate, yeah. which if you worked uh, full-time, um, that's $100,000 a year. Wow. Now the union's countering, wait, wait a minute, there's a whole bunch of people that don't work that type of hours. It takes a long time to get that many shifts. You're always on call. Um, but if you do get in there at the top level, that's a significantly higher wage than the average wage out there. 